All right. Hold on a second. Is this micro? What? what the heck happened to this thing? Is this sound all right? Is it it? Yeah. All right. It was dangling. Did you see that? <laughs> How was <is> it? <laughs> all right. Anyway, you ready to go, Reg? I am. Okay, cool. I like where the levels are bopping. Leave them there. I'll give you the, uh, the three S's in the countdown. You give me the music. I'll give you a podcast. All right? Put it in the book. 282. Okay, here we go. Star, smile, strong. Ready? Ready for takeoff? Strap in, my friend. <laughs> here we go. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. Don't forget, subscribe and rate to this podcast and rate this podcast. But most importantly, as you well know, if you're a regular listener, your responsibilities go far beyond just listening much too passive we want you active we want you proactive so get out there send a send a message send a link tell your friends tell your family tell anyone who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is elton jim's captain podtastic and it should be theirs too your loyalty and devotion is much 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 appreciated also if you like what you hear don't forget Go to WGNRadio.com, go to the podcast section, hit the prompt for this podcast, and you will find, I would hope, all previous 281 episodes. Been doing this since May of 2016. So hopefully they're all in there. So go back, find out what we did before so you could find out where we're going. Get updated. Listen to some of those first podcasts. Keep you armed and ready to go for the future. I think there's 281 in there, so welcome to 282. What I wanted to talk about today uh, is in the news. And if it doesn't affect you directly, I think it certainly does affect you some way in the greater good or the greater world of our culture. Have you been reading about what's going on with Facebook? Or it was as it was originally called when it was founded, the Facebook? Used to have a the before it. And then it was decided that the wasn't cool. The used to be cool, if you remember the. Uh, in the pop culture world, the was like for rock bands, for instance, all the major rock bands of the you know, 50s and 60s and even into the early 70s all had a the, right? You know, the Ronettes, the Righteous Brothers, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, the Who, the Kinks. Then in the 70s, it got kind of cool to drop the the. So suddenly we had Led Zeppelin. And Black Sabbath and Dire Straits in the 80s. There was no thus. The thus were gone in the 80s. It was Berlin, Missing Persons, Duran Duran, U2, Dire Straits. Most of the thus went away. Then the thes came back for a while, but then the, when, when the tech explosion took on, it, it became cool to get rid of the thes again. So then we had Apple and Facebook, I mean, uh, you know, and MySpace and uh, Microsoft. There was no the Microsoft, right? It was just blank. But Facebook did start with the Facebook. And, uh, but it's been in the news lately because of 
mainly uh, a couple of things. We've, we've been hearing a lot of, of concern about social media platforms spreading a lot of not only misinformation, which has become a major problem during the pandemic over the last 18 or 19 months, but certainly then the power of social media and the platforms like Facebook and Instagram and, um, and Twitter to organize, to hook people up. I mean, at the end of the day, that's the great irony, right? The irony is that the whole idea of Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and these other uh, popular worldwide social media platforms is to get people together, to hook people up, to make people connect, to have them engage with one another. Now, for the vast majority of us, we use these platforms in an innocuous, in an innocuous, is it innocuous, 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 hello, not innocuous, innocuous, <laughs> in an innocuous and hard, you know, in, in just playful way. On Facebook or Instagram, you put up pictures of where you've been on vacation or pictures of you out places with your friends or something you've done or whatever it is. I mean, nowadays, most celebrity women especially are posing naked <laughs> on Instagram. I guess that's popular. I guess that will always be popular, right? But... um but on Twitter, you know, it's to share some little witticism or some observation or whatever. Sometimes it's getting people in trouble. But the whole idea of social media is to connect with other people. Everybody wants views. Everybody wants likes. We are in a, 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 in a, in a society today where we need positive reinforcement on an hourly basis from wherever we can get it. And... I do think that that, especially that popularity and that drive and that desire today was born from the fact that many of the people uh, under certainly 50 uh, were were constantly, when they were raised, that's all they were bombarded with. Uh, They were surrounded by constant compliments, constant everything they did was great. And so it's no surprise that... uh, that helicopter parenting and that um, that effort to create some kind of perfect bubble to live in um, has only expanded now into adulthood. It's not a surprise why it's 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 sad because I think we're a lesser we're we're in a worse position in a lesser society because our narcissism and our self esteem is is so important to us today. Um, but regardless, it is here, and we have to start to deal with it. And that's what's going on with the Facebook issue right now. For the last five or six years, the possible dangers and then the probable dangers of social media platforms like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter have been discussed, and now they're being realized and finally recognized now i hate to be well i shouldn't even say that i don't hate to be the guy that says i told you so i actually like being the guy who says i told you so (laughs) because part of what i do why i do this this podcast is i do like to share my my uh my observations and my experiences and sort of and, and be kind of this this kind of signpost this kind of warning shot. And I, I, don't, I don't possess any great insight or any uh, you know, great powers of, of intuition or no great um, you know, high level of intelligence. I'm not, I'm not pretending to or espousing that at all. But what I do, I think, I believe that I bring to the table than, than, more, than most people do is I do really bring, uh, I try to at least, in my own life, and I'm, this is no act, I'm, this is just me being me, but I like to bring an objective view. 
Now, it's, it's impossible to be completely objective. We're all subjective, right? We're all influenced by our, our own upbringings and feelings and, and influences. So nobody is completely subjective. But many people don't even think about being objective. Most people go with their feelings, especially today. This is all about your feelings. We are in a feelings-centric society. How I feel and how it affects me. We are definitely in a me generation. Other generations were accused of being the me generation, but this is. Uh, I was raised with and trained in, from a career-wise, from an early age, in a journalistic point of view where you are meant to be and, and trained to be skeptical. You are trained and meant to be a devil's advocate. You are looking for more information, and you are looking for explanation and reasons. And so that's kind of where I come from, and, and I use that in my, in my personal life as well. It's, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not trying to be less optimistic than anyone else. But I do believe that there is a need for devil at devil's advocacy because many times we do not, we go for the shiny object and we are attracted to that and we go and we jump right in without really looking at all the possible pitfalls. And that's why a lot of people get in trouble. I like to look for the landmines. I, 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 I'm not, I'm not hoping they're there, but I'm, assuming they are, and my goal is to avoid them to then get to a spot where there isn't any problem. But to just go there blindly to think that nothing will go wrong gets you in trouble. Now, I've been screaming about the dominance and the rise of technology for many years, long before I even started this podcast. And it's not out of pure just, oh, well, a lot of people accuse me of, oh, you're, oh, wow, you're so old-fashioned, or you're so stuck in the past, or you're, you're, you're so anti-technology, or you don't like anything new. That is not the case at all. I have been an early, ad- uh, early adapter on many things over the last, you know, 40, 50 years, dating back when I was a little kid. But, and I've said on this on many occasions, uh, I embrace those technologies, which I believe do provide a tangible improvement on the status quo that deliver real, real, verifiable improvement. I don't jump on bandwagons just because everyone else is doing it. I don't like fads. I admit that. What I have discovered is that in technology, many, many times technology is done not because we need to have it, it's because we can do it. And that's not enough of a reason. That's what gets you in trouble. Because just to do it because you can lets out or lets you off the responsibility of what might happen because of it. To me, that is irresponsible. So I don't, I, I don't uh, put down technology. I embrace technology when I believe that it does provide something that is something better than before. Now, I'll be honest with you. I, 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 and I'm involved in, in social media. I have a Facebook page. I, have, I mean, I have a cell phone. I don't have a smartphone. Although I, I may have, I may have to get one soon. By the end of this year, I've talked about this on this podcast. My um, my cell phone provider is going to an all five G network, and my my good old trusty, a lovable flip phone is only three G. So I'm probably going to have to bite the bullet and get into the smartphone world. As much as I think my my flip phone more then fulfills my needs. But we are living in a world now where the assumption is everyone has a, a smartphone or anyone uh, that is worth their space in our, plan, on, on, in our society has one. Every, everything now is said, well, just go on the app. Just go on the app. That assumes that everybody has that phone. I just can't go on the app. 
<laughs> I can't do it. But I'm going to have to. I guess, I, you know what really, I mean, not only was I being forced by my carrier here, but I was also thinking about it doing it anyway. Just because I recently had a, a, a real kind of <laughs> shell shock moment, kind of a reality sandwich. It was, it was more of a, of a triple-decker reality sandwich. A 75-year-old relative of mine recently switched from a flip phone to a smartphone. That hurt. When a 75-year-old decides that this is something they need to do before I do, that, that was a, a telltale sign. And then, of course, I was pushed over the brink by the people that actually run my phone. My phone won't be able to work after January 1st. So it looks like I will be getting into the smart, smartphone world. But my point is I do, I'm not against technology. Far from it. In fact, for more than 10 years, I worked in the technology space, in the public relations world, in the technology world. I was there at the beginning when the Internet first began to take hold in the mid-90s, around 94. The Internet had been around for a couple years, but it was really starting to take hold in the mid-90s, by 95 and 96. And that's when I was full-blown into it, working in public relations, uh, either for technology companies, some of the biggest companies in the world, or later on at a public relations firm, working with some of, again, the biggest tech companies in the world, as well as some people in their basements. So I saw the, the, the entire gambit of the tech world at its beginnings. And when the bubble burst in the early 2000s as well. And so if I'm anti-technology, it's not out of my stubbornness or being old-fashioned. No, it's actually based on real-world experience. I saw how the technology sausage was made by some of the biggest names and names that you would recognize. I sat across from them at tables in meeting rooms. I saw how the sausage was made. I helped make the sausage in some cases, or at least at the very least helped publicize the sausage that they were making. And it was because of that ground floor experience. I know what technology can do in a good way, and I know what technology can do in a bad way, and I know from from personal experience what the thought process is. And so much of it is we can do it because we can. Let's do it because we can, not because we should or because we have to or because it will really provide something needed. It would be It's more of the cool factor of the aha factor. It's not about the we need this factor. The technologies that I use and embrace in my life are those that I feel have real uses. They're not just the shiny keys or the shiny objects that we all run toward. I've always been skeptical of fads or when something gets real popular. So I'm not against technology, but I do look at it with an objective view because I know the people behind it aren't looking at it that way. They all think that they're pushing an envelope and they might be. But they're also pushing things in a very dangerous direction, and that's where we find ourselves today, especially with Facebook, out of its sheer magnitude. It is across the globe. It is, I, I think there's some crazy number. Billions of people around the world use Facebook. So, yeah, that's the target right now. And I've been saying the, the, and I've been screaming in the forest about the, uh, you know, the, the potential damage here. And finally, I've been screaming about it for more than 20 years, but finally, between the 2016 election, which may have been compromised by foreign countries in our presidential election with Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, and then later in last year's election, can you believe, that's the other thing too, real quick. Can you believe that here we are in October? It's, it's, it hasn't even been a year since the last presidential election. Doesn't that seem 
so long ago, I mean, a year ago, right now, Donald Trump was still the president. Doesn't it seem so far removed? It hasn't even been a year um, since he left office, which was in January. But it was. It hasn't even been a year since he lost the election. Some people don't believe he did, but my, that's beside the point. At least since the election. So wow, we you know once again, it's technology that, that is moving this this our, our society at, at, at an incredible pace that we have to just hold on and and grab on because if you stand still, you're forty five you're forty five yards behind in a minute. I've been screaming for such a long time, and now we're finally, and then certainly over the last 18, 19 months, misinformation with uh, the pandemic, um, the possible uh, use of Facebook and, and other platforms, social media platforms, possibly to have organized the insurrection in January earlier this year on the state capitol, or I mean in the nation's capital. So, I mean, finally, that dark side of social media, which has been allowed to run unregulated for so long, finally, the majority of people, at least a growing majority, are beginning to see what I've been saying all along, that you cannot allow technology to just run rampant because I've seen the people developing it. They don't have any boundaries. That's, that's the one thing that makes them the innovators. They are, you know, that whole, that, that, that tired phrase, but it's true. You know, they're thinking outside the box because they don't look at limits. That's what allows their thinking and their, inte- their intelligence and their creativity to come up with some of these amazing inventions, which I understand are great and amazing and embrace, yes. But it's that same lack of boundary that also makes them dangerous. It makes them innovators. It helps, them and helps us and them move forward, but there's always a downside because we are human. And so now we are seeing between the misinformation of information about vaccines and about COVID in general, about, uh, you know, certain candidates, the ability through these social media platforms to organize people from around the country or around the world and perhaps do evil, illegal things like storming the nation's capital? For most of us, Facebook, as I said before, is about putting up pictures of our moms and dads when they, were, when they first got married or our vacation pictures or our grandbabies, you know, whatever it is. It's just this kind of, oh, look at me, which is what we are. You know, look at what I did. Oh, and sharing, it's just, it's harmful. But there are people that are using it, or harmless, but, it's, but there are people who are using it for ulterior and harmful reasons. And for all we know, they've always been doing it, but now it's gaining traction. And so this whistleblower late, recently, a former Facebook uh, employee, had proof, had documents showing that Facebook, in her, in her view, was putting their profits and their growth over the responsibility and the safety of our culture, of our world, by spreading misinformation. Because at the end of the day, Facebook is there for you to engage. Facebook is there for you to connect with people. And so what they have found through their own research is that more people react to and engage with sometimes false information than real information or information that is inflammatory. And in Facebook's world, if that's going to draw people in, then let's, that, that the accusation is that's what they've been doing. Now, they certainly deny this, but the idea is finally now being accepted. 
that Facebook does have a responsibility, and it is because it is so prevalent in our world, and it's such a uh, a powerful tool tool, and and provides unimaginable access to information that is not vetted, that is not verified. You've gone on, right? You've if, I, I assume the average person has gone on Twitter or gone on Facebook or gone on Instagram and put up something. You've posted something, right? Have you have you ever posted something that you've that you've checked the facts about? Or do you just go on there and think up something or decide to write something and just hit post? In the media, the established media and people say, oh, Jim, gosh, you know, you're, you're hanging on to the established media. The only reason I am is because today Facebook and Instagram and Twitter are being considered the new media. And the problem is that there is no vetting. There is no validation. There is no checking of references to make sure that the information is truthful. In the old media, in newspapers and in magazines, and I'm not saying that they were always perfect, some of the tabloids out there, you know, knowingly would publish false stories. So I'm not saying that the entire media world held the highest ground and had the greatest morals and, you know, was always fact-checking. I'm not saying that, but the majority of the newspapers were trying to get the story right. I was a reporter early in my career with City News Bureau here in Chicago, which was a great training ground. And the goal of the city or the, 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 the service of the city news was to provide the newspapers and the television stations with added information about the news stories, news stories that they either couldn't uh, cover themselves or we were out there finding information right alongside those kind of reporters. And the goal was to provide and, and, and do our own reporting to get maybe new information that those reporters didn't find. But it was always verified. You needed at least two to three sources, separate, individual, non-connected sources to validate any fact before it could go on. That doesn't exist anymore. There's no vetting system. There's no editing system. People are putting things up, hitting post, and it's going out there. And the majority of people are looking at Facebook and saying, well, if it's on Facebook, it must be true. Well, finally now, after 20 years... After 15 years, we're realizing, no, it doesn't have to be true. And there are some real, real dangers in that. Now, like I said, I've been screaming about this for 20 years. And and basically, what I've been saying is what the whistleblower said to Congress a few weeks ago. Facebook and all social media needs to be regulated. When the internet first came about and and gained traction and steam and acceptance in the mid-90s, not only did it create this innovative, once-in-a-generation technology that provided unparalleled access to information and communication around the world. Believe me, you can never say that the internet is was is a useless tool it it was it's it, it is the defining tool of the 21st century and in the and the last few years of the 20th of 21st century and the last few years of the 20th century no question and what it's going to and what and what what's going to happen 100 years from now we can't even imagine because of this tool but in addition to its amazing power and potential to communicate and to give access to information, which is empowering and fun, right? The other side of what it did was it also created a whole new revenue stream and a whole new industry, many industries off of it. Hardware industries, building computers, building devices like smartphones, um, you know, chips, and you name all the hard 
hard hardware things and then of course all the software companies to run this on and all the 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 routers and and all the the behind the scenes me, m- machines that that keep the under, internet up you don't even know how vast that is and the companies like oracle and cisco and and things like that you don't even know what they're doing I said I worked with them. I know what's going on. I, I don't know the whole thing, but I, I have a general idea. My point is it created an amazing economic engine in the, in the last half of the 20th century. And it created a whole new world of business opportunities. And so when that happened, and we saw in the late 90s and early 2000s, the economy exploded. And that was due to the internet and its potential and what it was doing and creating. And we've seen it now 20 years later. I mean, does anybody even go to a a store anymore to shop? (laughs) I mean, it completely changed the retail business. It, it, It completely changed the media business. Does anybody buy a newspaper or magazine anymore? I mean, there's some, there are some industries that were around forever that within the last 50 to 20 years have become almost obsolete. That's how fast the internet has happened and it's taken control. So there was great, not only was it there, was there this, um, this existential benefit of the internet and what it could do for us as people and us as a country and in a world in terms of access of information and the ability to to uh to react and the ability to interact that's the that's the esoteric kind of thing but it also was an amazing revenue generating rocket it wasn't even an engine it was a nuclear engine it was a nuclear missile that's only continued. And in those early days, nobody wanted to put any restriction on it because it was generating so much money and so many jobs that nobody, especially the government, which was benefiting from all this money being made, don't forget with taxes. Yeah, people forget. When George Bush took over, you know, Clinton, the Clinton administration really got the brunt of the benefit of the Internet introduction and explosion from the mid 90s through the end of the, the, you know, to to the two from 2000. And Bill Clinton was president from 92 to 2000. And that's when the Internet started. And it burst a little while after that. But that's when. So he, his, that's why the economy was, was, was so great. In fact, people forget this. In 2000, and in George Bush's first term at the beginning, of his first eight or nine months, the government had a surplus of money. Do you understand that? I mean, we're, we're now trillions, trillions in debt over the last 20 years because of the wars and everything else. But when George Bush took over, the internet had generated such amazing business opportunity and, and revenue that our government had a surplus of money. We didn't know what to do with it. Commissions were being put together. Committees were being put together to say, we have all this money and we need to know what. how are we going to spend it. We're always talking about, oh, we don't, have, we don't have enough money for this, we don't have money for that. Right now, we're talking about this big, you know, build America back thing with Joe Biden, $3.5 trillion spending bill. We had money we didn't have to worry about. It was there. It was, it was above. We didn't, have, we didn't have deficits. That was unheard of in our history. That was all generated by technology money, and it was so vast and so fast and so big that nobody in the government wanted to be the person with the pin to pop the bubble and be the devil's advocate and be the the killjoy and be the Debbie Downer. And they all knew that it couldn't last and they all knew that this could lead to something, but nobody wanted to be the one 
the naysayer, the devil's advocate, looking at it from an objective view because everybody was riding the wave. And that's our greatest shortcoming in America. We don't look at the big picture. We always look at just what's in front of us. We never look at the bigger picture and the consequences of it. We always run after that shiny object. We always look for the immediate gratification. And that's, and many times, once again, that leads to innovation. That may be our greatest asset, and it also may be our greatest liability. Nobody wanted to put any government regulations on the internet at the beginning when it should have been done. We wouldn't be in this mess now because now the genie is out of the bottle. Facebook is too big. And even if you impose some regulations, they won't be as effective as they would have been if they would have been implemented at the very beginning. If the, if the guidelines were set at the start, we never would have gotten to this position because you never would have been able to do it. But once again, this is not any, this isn't anything new. Sadly, in our country, commerce has always taken precedence over logic, over right or wrong, I guess, maybe. If you look at the industrial age, right, in the early 1900s, when America began to flex its economic muscles and we had, you know, the, you know, the steam engines and all these new innovations, you know, steel mills, all this stuff. Well, then, you know, by the 70s, we were realizing after this has been running amok for 60 or 70 years, completely un- unregulated, um, you know, companies allowed to dump waste in, in rivers and oceans and streams and the air, you know, and, and just these huge stacks emitting gases and toxic fumes and, uh, you know, into our air and we're breathing them. And then in the 70s, of course, with the nuclear um you know, energy saying, oh, well, this is great. And then all of a sudden it would, you know, by the 10, then all of a sudden these nuclear accidents, the, the regulations, then we said, wait a minute, you can't just keep dumping these chemicals in the water. We're drinking this. You can't just be blowing all these, these toxins in the air. We're breathing this. But for, for decades, those were allowed. People want, you know, we were talking about, oh, you know, in, the, in this COVID world, we're talking about, you know, mandates for, for uh, you know, for vaccinations and people screaming. Think about, you know, it wasn't until the 80s when you had to wear a seatbelt. We were getting in cars and people were being, the carnage in, in car crashes was, was unheard of because people regularly were flying out of windshields. But you know what? It added more money to the cost of a car, and so we said, let them do it. Until finally people said, no, wait a minute. Safety over profit. With the dumping of chemicals in our air, safety for people's health over profit. For, for smokestacks, safety over profit. And so here we are in 2021. We've let the internet run amok now for really almost 30 years. And we're finally now seeing the dark side of, the, of, of, of social media and the dark side, the potential of the internet. And now when the genie is out of the bottle, we're going to probably put some kind of regulations 30 years too late They won't have the teeth that they need, most likely. But we'll see. Because I'll tell you, those visuals of people attacking the U.S. Capitol scared a lot of people, and they should scare them, regardless of what your political thoughts are. And I don't care what side you're on. You had to be concerned when you saw the lawlessness going on at the state capitol. That was scary. And that was, in part, a byproduct of social media. So finally, 
we are seeing that technology cannot be self-regulating. There need to be laws and guidelines. There needs to be checks and balances. We have seen through history. I don't understand why we... Again, I'm a history buff, and I'm more than a history buff. I'm a history proponent. History doesn't repeat itself directly, but it certainly gives us, as I said before, some signposts. We have seen that you cannot expect private or public companies to regulate themselves. Private businesses or public businesses are in the business to create revenue, to create business, to make money. They look for ways to make money in any way they can. If there are not rules in certain areas against something that might be potentially dangerous and they provide profits, they will take the route that provides the profits over the potential catastrophes or safety. We've seen it. I just told you, we've seen it throughout history. And throughout the history of man, we all know, let's face it, folks, we always take the easy way out. We are frail, scared species. We take the easy way out. We always have. In this case, we take the route that will bring us more success. Facebook's job is to create a platform for people to engage. And in many ways, as Facebook has found, that misinformation gets people engaged, positively or negatively. They don't care. They just want people to be logging on and hitting and liking and sharing. That provides the numbers for them to go to the advertisers to say, hey, come on and advertise on Facebook because look at how many people are on our thing every day. Your message will get out. Now, I don't know if a lot of people even know this, but Facebook started in a very kind of negative way. Do you know how Facebook started? We look at, as I said, we look at Facebook as, as this innocuous, got it right this time, <laughs> a platform to, you know, put up, uh, you know, post a little funny thing. Uh, oh, you know, give some support to somebody, put up some pictures from your vacation, blah, blah, blah. There's a dark side to Facebook. Facebook started by Mark Zuckerberg. I believe it was the Harvard campus as a rating system for the women on campus. And I'm not sure if it was if, if, if the impetus was that Mark Zuckerberg as a computer nerd was getting turned down by a lot of pretty women. And so he was getting back at them by creating a website that was meant for people to engage with one another on the Facebook and rate the physical attributes of women on campus. That's how Facebook started. It brought people together. It got people engaged. It got people sharing ideas and sharing thoughts. It started with views and likes. But it was a, a kind of, not even kind of, it was a dark side. It was raiding women started very misogynistically. That's how Facebook started. Now, it's grown into this amazing worldwide platform where everything is shared, but that's how it started. So it started with kind of a questionable beginning, and we let it run amok. And not just Facebook. There's other ones out there too, Twitter and everything else. But Facebook is so big and so dominant. You have to understand, once again, I, I, I said to you before, I saw the way the sausage was made in the tech world. The way the tech world works 
is not like previous business used to be and products coming into the into the into the marketplace technology is never perfect it always has bugs it always has problems with technologies that are so sophisticated they are vulnerable like that's why you see hackers they are unstable because there is so much information in the process of creating it not just what it disseminates to us but you don't even know the coding that goes on behind the scenes and the layers of information that goes into what you see so it makes it the irony is it is this huge massive ball and yet it is very fragile and it is susceptible and it is vulnerable and so as technology started especially computer technology many programs softwares now websites applications platforms are knowingly released into the public with flaws knowingly and the idea is well we'll put it out there we'll see how it works we'll see what the problems are through usage and then we'll provide a fix now that is how technology has always worked now 40 or 50 years ago when the computer first started it was kind of a small world so that that idea of letting the use out into the world and and letting the users find the bugs and then we'll provide a fix wasn't as detrimental because it was a small world that all that was happening in and the computer world was so small but now it is all over the place and it affects everyone but technology is still being driven by that mindset. Before, you couldn't put a television. I mean, we talk about technology. I mean, the television had to be tested because you didn't just want to put it in a house so it would explode. When you plugged it in or you wore, if you watched it for three hours, the tubes would explode. So there was a lot of test. The bugs, for the most part, the, the bugs were, 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 were eliminated before it reached the public. I'm not saying everything. We know we, that there's been products that, haven't, that have been dangerous after they've been out there. I, I understand that. I'm not saying that, once again, everything in the past was perfect. Far from it. But it wasn't driven by an overriding philosophy that put it out, we'll fix it later. That's what high tech is driven on. It's not my opinion. I've sat at the tables. I've asked the questions. I've been told the answers by people that are invented it and by people that were putting it out. That's the mindset. That's how technology works. That's the way the technology sector works. We will put it out. We will see it. That's what's so scary about these self-driven cars. They're putting them out on streets. People can get killed, and they have already. In the technology world, you know, they're saying, well, okay, well, now we know how to fix that. No, no, we be, yeah, but somebody died. Once again, I understand that's always a part of innovation. Astronauts sadly had to die in many crashes before we went to the moon. I get it. I'm, I, I, I understand that. But those rockets were not sent up there knowing that something probably could happen. Technology, many technologies are sent out into the real world today knowingly that they are far from perfect, that they will have bugs, that people will have problems, and that a fix will have to be implemented later. That's just part of the product launch. 
The fact that a fix will happen in six months is part of the product launch. That's the expectation. So if that is how the biggest industry in our world works, then we better have some regulations because that's their mindset. They're basically using human beings as guinea pigs. Not in test labs, though. In the real world. That's the difference. These things used to be done in testing labs, whether they were used by using mice or crash dummies or whatever, but they were tested vigorously. They weren't sent out knowingly less than perfect in general. But that's the way technology companies work. That's the expectation. That's not even thought of as as, as a wrong thing. So when the internet and then the websites and more applications and more devices have been created over the last 30 years, what we've seen is the problem. No regulation allows them to run amok, and they always will. Facebook really, I don't look at Facebook as some evil, um, as some evil empire. I don't look at Mark Zuckerberg or Dorsey or anyone else um, as evil. That's their business. That is the the culture that they were that they were they were born and and trained in, and now that they have, uh, I guess, excelled in, and they were allowed to do it. We know, as I said once again, that's the way we are. We take the easy way. You know, you got grounded because you did something wrong. If you, if, 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 if you weren't told not to do it, you'd keep doing it until you realized there could be consequences. And then you stopped it. Then you got grounded or your parents laid down some rules. But we always go, we always, we always push the envelope until someone says, slow down. Because you're, you're, you're hurting yourself or others. And it's taken us several decades, but we finally realized that we can't let technology run amok. It needs to be regulated. It should have been done in the early stages. The guidelines, at least in general, they couldn't have predicted where things were going, but if they would have had a, a, a basis of regulations, at least there could have been some parameters to start out with, and then they could have been adjusted as technology grew exponentially. But there were none. It was Dodge City. It still is. It still is Dodge City. Facebook, as it stands today, is expected to self-regulate. And as the whistleblower said, they're not doing it. I don't blame them because nobody told them to stop. Now, you say, well, they should have their own moral compass. Well, I guess in a perfect world, but once again, they are not some some societal business. They are a for-profit business. So, Yes, I guess, once again, esoterically, yeah, they probably should have, but at the end of the day, don't fault Facebook for putting profit over harm because we should have told them to do that 30 years ago. We should have put the regulations in place so they never could have put profits over harm because we would have already had the safeguards in there at the beginning. But the government was greedy, wanted to win elections, wanted to win power, so nobody wanted to be the bad guy. Nobody wanted to be the devil's advocate. Nobody wanted to be the Debbie Downer. Nobody wanted to stop that engine because it was bringing in tax dollars and, 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 and raising the, uh, the, the, the employment rate and making us a, a strong world power economically, culturally, and so nobody wanted to say, but hey, 
This thing need you can't just let it run wild. If you remember, there were no taxes on internet um, purchases for the first ten or fifteen years. Then finally, the state said, "Hey, wait a minute! You you can't you can't just keep selling this stuff without any taxes." And everybody goes, "Oh, geez, now there's taxes on it." Well, that's right. There should be. Why 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 did brick and mortar places have to charge taxes but internet places who wound up putting the brick and mortar places out of business had no taxes for 10 or 15 years ridiculous but nobody wanted to put the taxes on the the online shopping because they were afraid it was going to stop people from 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 doing it which is stupid because they got it for the convenience not because of the lack of taxes but nobody wanted to regulate the internet. So they let it go unregulated for years in far as far as taxes are concerned. And in terms of, of algorithms and content and responsibility, it is still, as we talk today, unregulated, Dodge City, anything goes, we're leaving it up to them. And why should we be surprised? that they're choosing profits over what's right or wrong. That's their job. They have shareholders. Their job is to make money. Their job is not to be morally correct. Their job is to create profit. So we shouldn't put that responsibility or the expectation on them. They're not built for that. They're always looking to make money over anything else so shame on us for the greed that our governments have of of the money that they that they provide and then it takes 20 or 30 years and then we start to see the damage then we see those pictures from the from the nation's capital and we go wait a minute has social media gone out of control it's been out of control for 20 years we've allowed it to as everything else as you continue to just be lackadaisical and you not have regulations, then then they can then it, continue, it continues to get corrupted. We need to be honest about ourselves. Human beings corrupt things. We love to think that we do everything great and nice for for the right reasons, but there's evil in the world. We've seen it. Look at nine eleven. Stop being so Pollyanna. I don't know what the next revolution is going to be technology-wise ever, but we better not make the same mistake again. They're going to put regulations on Facebook, but they're not going to be as, 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 as stringent as they should have been, or they could be. They're going to be a little harder, but they're still not, they still don't want to clip those wings. But if some lawmaker some president at the time had the guts they would have said wait a minute as we've seen in the past with the industrial revolution in this country we cannot let this we are at we are at a in another revolution we are now in the technology revolution we had the industrial revolution we are now in the technology revolution that was no great secret that was being talked about and read about we saw how the industrial revolution ran amok on our environment, on our safety, cars, air, water. They all put profit over safety. So here we were in the early to mid-90s with a new business revolution at its ground floor, and instead of doing the right thing, the responsible thing, we as a society and we as our government chose Profit over safety. Don't blame safe Facebook. Yes, they're implicated. Yes, they're part of it. But I got news for you. The government is just as guilty because they had the power to regulate this when it was just a little seed. What's easier to do? To prune a tree when it's five years old or when it's 50 years old? What, what is more difficult to do, what costs more, and what's more dangerous in cutting the branches of a tree that's five years old or a tree that's 50 years old? We had a chance to trim the tree when it was five years old. 
but we let it grow. And now it's a 50-year-old tree, and the branches are all over the place, and it's put in, and it's knocking down, it's doing destruction to garages and electrical poles, and now we have to hire someone to climb up the tree and potentially put themselves in danger and cut down all these big branches. That's the analogy. We're cutting down now with Facebook a 30-year-old tree that's established, that has roots, and has huge branches that are, that are reaching everywhere. But 30 years ago, it was a small little tree that we could have contained. We didn't. Don't blame Facebook completely. Blame the government, blame ourselves. But also, the, the takeaway here is, if anything, what this whistleblower is bringing forward and whatever this result of Facebook is, the main important thing is for all of us as a society is understand that Facebook is not this simple little place to post things. Everything you read on Facebook is not true. Don't think just because it's on Facebook, it's true. Do your own research before you post something, before you share something. The internet allows you amazing access if you're going to share something on facebook and you this this news item about anything political whatever it may be who cares go on your favorite search engine and really look to validate it don't be a part of the problem we have the ability here to stop some of this as well we can't just pass it off on the government. It's their fault, like I just said, or it's Facebook's fault. Yes, they are implicated. They're, they're major problems in it. But you know what? We're a part of it too. Nobody's off the hook here. It's time to self-regulate on your own. You want regulations from the government? Fine. You want Facebook to impose their own systems to curtail misinformation, to curtail algorithms, things like that? Fine. What about you? Are you helping or hurting the situation? Are you reading things on Facebook and simply hitting share and moving them on to the next group to read misinformation? Or are you reading something and saying, I wonder if that's true. Are you going then and checking to see if what is being said there is true? Because if you find something somewhere else from a newspaper or from a television source or from a study or something, and it won't be that hard to find it on Facebook, on, on, with a search engine like Google or something else, it'll take you five seconds. That's the, that's the power and the greatness of the internet, access to information. So instead of just hitting share, hitting like, Take your own responsibility. Take an extra 10 minutes before you share it or you like it and look it up and make sure what it's being said is right. And then if you feel confident in that, then go on and, po- and, and share it with someone else. Look, that's not, the, that's not the, 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 the perfect scenario, but at least it's adding some layer of validation. It's a very small, insignificant, vulnerable layer, but at least there's some layer of vetting going on on your part. We cannot expect companies to regulate themselves. We can't expect governments to regulate everything. We have to take some responsibility too. We are all in this. Take a step back. If you see something, some story, don't automatically believe it when you read it, if it's on Facebook, and don't automatically like it or share it until you 
feel confident in your own mind that what you're spreading on or sharing with people is true. The genie's out of the bottle, folks. We made that mistake several decades ago and allowed technology to run amok and social media to run amok. That's where we are now. So there will be some regulations that the government ultimately in the next several months, maybe the next year, I don't know, but there will be some government regulations finally on social media, on Facebook. And Facebook may also take some personal corporate responsibility as well. That may happen. I'm just saying we all need to take some responsibility too. Facebook has become more than just a place (laughs) to put up your favorite picture, a selfie, a picture of the food you just had at your favorite restaurant, a picture of you from high school, a picture of you from grammar school. It's a powerful tool that sadly can be used for harm as much as it can be used for good. Do what you can to make sure it's used for good. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Don't forget every Monday a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget, spread the word, send a link, send a message, tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody you know who listens to podcasts. And your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 282. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen. <laughs>